You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D, the podcast that explores the power of inclusion and why disability is an important part of the workplace diversity and inclusion conversation. Produced by the Ontario Disability Employment Network, with your hosts, Jeanette Campbell and Dean Askin. Well, hello and welcome to a new season of You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D. I'm Dean Askin, and it's great to be back at the mic with my co-host. Jeanette, how are you doing? I mean, can you believe it's what, almost three years now since we launched this podcast? Well, I can believe it's been three years, but I look forward to the next three. And speaking of looking forward, Dean, we've got some great shows and guests lined up for 2023. So wherever you're listening from, Thanks for joining us for this first episode of the season and stay tuned because there's lots of great stuff coming ahead. That's right. This season, we're looking at the state of disability inclusion in business in Canada, its past, present and future, the global state of disability innovation, disability in the media and more. And, you know, in our work at Odin, we're always citing statistics and facts about the business benefits of disability inclusion from studies and reports. But they're usually from studies published by organizations in the U.S. or the U.K. That's right. So that's why we're kicking things off this season with a conversation about some new disability and the workplace research that's underway in Canada. Now, that might not sound exciting, but this actually is because there hasn't been research like this done in this country for a long time. Now, the full name of this initiative is Inclusive Design for Employment Access. That's a mouthful, so it's known as IDEA for short. But there's nothing short about this project. It's a six-year research initiative being done with $9 million in federal funding under Canada's New Frontiers in Research Fund. This episode is the first in a two-part series on new disability research in Canada. Joining us for part one of this conversation are the two experts reimagining how Canadian workplaces can be more inclusive for people in this country who have a disability. So Dean, that's about 6.2 million people, or 22% of the population, by the way. And then there's the over 600,000 employable Canadians who have a disability who want to work in these workplaces that are going to be reimagined in the IDEA initiative. Now, we're using that word workplaces kind of loosely here because, as we all know, the nature of how and where people want to work has changed a lot over the last three years. And who knows what the world of work and workplaces will be and look like six years from now at the end of this project. I guess it's going to be an interesting research journey for our two guests. Dr. Emil Tompa is a senior scientist at the Institute for Work and Health in Toronto and an associate professor in the Department of Economics at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. He's also an assistant professor at the Dalla School of Public Health at the University of Toronto. Dr. Rebecca Gewertz is an occupational therapist and associate professor in the School of Rehabilitation Science at McMaster U. You know, we were chatting before the show, and I have to say, it was exciting for me seeing our two guests getting excited just about the idea of talking about this research project. So, Emil Tompa and Rebecca Gewertz, welcome to You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you for the invitation, Dean and Jeanette. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I want to start by getting you to paint a bit of a picture for us here. Tell us a bit about what you're doing and from your perspective, you know, why is this research initiative so important? You know, Emil, if you know, whoever wants to kick it off, Emil, if you want to take it away. Okay, I, I will start and, and Rebecca, I'm sure has lots to add. Um, So this project, the, the IDEA Social Innovation Laboratory that we've got funding for from New Frontiers, Um, is a continuation of work we've been doing in this space for quite some time. Our previous initiative is called the Center for Research and Work Disability Policy, which was a seven-year funding envelope from a SHRP partnership at Social Science and Humanities Research Council. So we're continuing the good work, but what we realized was um, the importance of thinking about how we can help employers expand their capabilities, their capacity to be inclusive of persons with disabilities. A lot of effort in the past has focused on skilling up workers, 
to become job ready. And that's really important as well. And, and then with some work has been put into policy systems, providing the wraparound supports and the, and, and the income replacement programs that may support transitioning into the labor market through different funding envelopes, you know, that have, you know, maybe engage um, employment recruiters um, who specialize in equipment of persons with disabilities, try to do some job matching. And that's all really great work. But the uptake has been really low, primarily because employers don't know how to do this well, and they need some skilling up as well. So this initiative we're focusing on over the next six years is really focusing on building that employer capacity. I'll pass it on to Rebecca. I'm sure she has lots to add. Yeah, so um, I think um, I agree with everything that Emil has said, but I think why this is so important is because work and employment is so important for people with disabilities. It's it's often the issue that is most commonly identified um, among young young adults and adults with disabilities, among families of people with with children with disabilities, you know, what what what's going to happen to my child in the future. Um, and it's also important from a social perspective for society in terms of ensuring um, that people have income and that people can fully contribute to um, society. Um, not that there's not other ways that people contribute in important ways, but right now we, especially in 2023, we find ourselves in the middle of a pretty significant uh, labor shortage. And we, um, many people predict this is, you know, labor shortages are going to be um, a thing in Canada in the future and worldwide. And so it's really important to take a look at um, our labor market, to take a look at um, people who are laborers and um, better understand how to how to better uh, prepare people for work and how how um, how to prepare the workplace for the diverse people that could enter it. Um, so so that's why it's important is because we need people to work in Canada and people want to work. Um, and this is not just in Canada, I would say worldwide. And our approaches to date have really focused on that first piece on how to prepare people for the workplace um, and have not really focused on what they're being prepared for about the, the context, the workplace, the, the, labor, the labor market and how to ensure that our workplaces are better, better able to uh, it successfully employ people who diverse people, people with different abilities and different different diversities. Um, so that's why it's important because without addressing that context, um, we we haven't really been able to shift the dial and and increase rates of employment among people with disabilities in any significant way. It's hard to be prepared for something if you don't really know what you're, you know, what the what you're being prepared for, I guess, kind of thing. I mean, you know, you know, we mentioned that there's always, you know, research coming out of other countries like the US and, and the UK and sometimes Australia and even India. But why do you think it's taken we Canadians so long to undertake some kind of new research like this particular kind? Of um, maybe do you want to start, Emil? Sure, I shall try. Um, so it's a really good question. It's a tough one too. So, so um, I do think there's lots of good work happening in Canada, um, research-wise, but also in the policy arena. We, I think, we are setting a precedence with with, with our um the Accessible Canada Act that became law in 2019, and lots of great initiatives at the federal level. The Accessibility Standards Canada was created to develop some best practice guidance for for various areas, priority areas in the Accessible Canada Act. Um, there, there's a new program for, for wage and income replacement for persons who, who are working age and unable to work. Or, um, so there's lots of great initiatives happening. I think on the research side, um, you know, there, there's been a lot of effort, including ourselves, as I mentioned, the Center for Research on Work Disability Policy. Um, I think there, a, a lot of countries are struggling to better understand how we can develop systems that are um, 
um, inclusive of, of the diversity of people that are in human society and, and, and in the labor market in particular in this case. Um, we are working very closely with, with a number of renowned international research centers, a, a couple of them in the US, a couple of them in Australia that, that are key partners and participants in our initiative. Um, I think this has to be a joint effort. Um, you know, this is not a Canadian issue alone. It's, it, it's, it's an a, a international issue, a lot of... Um, um, countries are doing some good work to, to advance um, employment opportunities for persons with disabilities and are not struggling to make headway. I think the difference that we're taking and, and, and some of our partners have started down that path as well is to think about the systems level approach. You know, it's not about a specific program or, or a recruitment program or onboarding program or a specific um, approach to, to that a manager might take single-handedly to, to accommodate a person's um, health needs. Um, it, it's really, we have to take a systems level approach, thinking about changing the whole landscape uh, of employment and um, you know, labor market contracting practices um, that's inclusive of the diversity of talent that's out there. And, and, and to take it even a bigger scale, I think it's not even about this, the employment um, uh, um, landscape, but of uh, society, you know, you know, just inclusive um, approaches to all aspects of, of human society, you know, all the various roles that, that we play uh, in, in throughout our lives need to be inclusive of that diversity. So that ultimately that's a culture change, a new normal. And we are only starting with the employment side because that's been our area of, of, of focus and expertise over, over a number of different initiatives that we've done over our careers. But um, you know, we are trying to promote culture change. And I think employment is a really good starting point because as Rebecca pointed out, um, you know, employment is transformative for people, adults um, of working age. You know, it just changes um, everything about their 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 um, existence. I guess you know, if you're a, a, if you have the agency to be a consumer and to live independently, have autonomy, it makes such a big difference from being dependent on social transfers that are often well below the poverty line. So it's a really good starting point where we want to make some you know substantive transformative change in the norms of, of our society. And I'll you know, well, sorry, oh, sorry, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in actually because yeah. I you're making me think of something. So Rebecca, you know, previously you talked about um, prior approaches, and you talked about the need to you know keep shifting the dial. And Emil, I'm really glad you talked about you know all the good work that's already happening in Canada and has, and and definitely you know uh, in in the policy area and in research. So as we're talking about this sort of concept of approach, can you tell us about, because it's very interesting, if you can talk about the approach that you're taking in this project, like what's different about your inclusive design for employment access initiative compared to what people might think of as traditional research about disability and employment that's done before? Yeah, and in I mean, we have argued that our approach is, um, a, a big difference. It's it's really important, and it's um, in some ways radical. And I would argue that it's not just new in Canada. Um, we have um, in designing uh, idea, we spoke to partners and researchers and others um, in different countries, um, and many of them also agreed that this focus on building employer capacity or building demand side capacity um, is not something that has really been done in the employment and disability realm uh, before, at least not to the scale. What we have found is throughout Canada and throughout the world, there are um, really exciting uh, innovations but they haven't really been studied and scaled. Um, and so that that is part of what we're trying to do. We're not trying to um, reinvent the, the wheel. We're trying to discover those innovations, those promising practices that people are doing on a small scale and evaluate them and, and look at ways they can be scaled. And then also uh, leveraging ideas that people have in this space that that could be turned into promising practices. Um, so so that's what's really, I would say, different and unique is that focus on rather than 
changing the disabled person and saying there's something fundamentally wrong with the, the, the person and that they need to, we need to deliver services and supports and interventions to help them to fit to the workplace. We're saying, no, none of that. What we actually need to do is look at the workplace and how the workplace can be more welcoming and inclusive of diversity and uh, how to take people with disabilities as, as they are and help them to be contributing members of various workplace environments. What is it that they can offer to the workplace? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, and, and there's a number actually we're being innovative in multiple fronts uh, yeah. uh, so, so certainly the, our approach to kind of what we think is the essence of of the issue is really important the, the, focusing on employers capacity and skilling up employees is a really central part in terms of the subject matter we're also trying to be um um different in 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 how we do our researches as well in the past a lot of research has been done you know a bit separate from the real world where it's supposed to be affecting and, and then you push it out the door and promote it after the work is done. We are partnering with um, our, all of the, the you know, key parties in, in this policy arena, the stakeholders, you know, they are our partners and they're co-leading all of our incubator hubs jointly with, with our academic um, leads um, in this initiative. So we're working together to identify the priority areas um, you know, working together to identify the best solutions and then evaluate them in small scale trials in the field and, and then work to scale them up across the sector, you know, the things that we find that work really well, you know, contextualizing appropriately for the different contexts in which they might be, be um, you know, most beneficial for, for different sectors to, to adopt. So I think so we're, it, it, it's a joint partnered process. Um, and I think that's a very different, um, particularly for a lot of um, social policy research um, in, in this space, in, in the past, it's been separate, the research part from the knowledge mobilization part, and it's all woven together for us. So very, very applied from the front end. It's solution driven, um, and it's also rapid. We try to do this quickly. We, we the Six years seems like a lot of time, but that's gonna go by very quickly. And if we're gonna make an impact, we, we, we can't spend two or three years trying to figure out what the problems are. And I think a lot of people out there in the field have a good handle both on where are the biggest challenges and also some, probably some promising practices that, that we just need to uncover, evaluate more rigorously, understand you know, how to tweak them to work in different types of contexts and then, and, and then help um, scale them up across a particular sector across Canada. So we're not reinventing things as, as Rebecca says. Our first start is to build on field knowledge that's already out there. Um, and, and then I think another innovation that we're taking is, I think I alluded to it already, is a systems approach. It's not about how do you accommodate a person's health needs, you know, on a case-by-case -case basis. You know, that's a retrofitting thing that, 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 that it needs to be done, certainly at this stage of the game, but in the future, we want to think about how we can create a world of work that's inclusive of the diversity of talent that's out there so that we're not retrofitting on a case-by-case -case basis. You know, yeah. We need to create a new normal. And some of that capacity needs to be built up at different levels. At the immediate level, it's the employer capacity, but some of that capacity is also on the, um, uh, on the um, academic side, you know, cred credentialing people to be taking a disability lens on everything they do, whether it's in, in architecture, engineering, management, training. So some of the front end we're doing is some micro-credential training programs that we're developing to help get people already out in the field up to speed. But ultimately, we want to change how the curriculum is developed in, in, in post-secondary educational institutions, but also maybe in, in, in primary and secondary school too. Should everything from the, from the get-go should be inclusive. Yeah. When yeah, we get right. out into the world as, as, as children and, and see the world with a different set of eyes that, that, is, that, that is accepting of that diversity and, and that we're all included, whether in marginalized populations. And it's hard to fix things after people uh -huh. become young adults and see the world in a certain way. So, so th those are layered approaches that we'll deal with shortly. The front end is really about the immediate employer capacity, getting them up to speed. Well, it's it's interesting too because I mean for Odin, we we focus a lot on that as you call it the demand side capacity, mm -hmm. and um, 
<clears throat> building capacity within the employment space, helping businesses to um, to understand, to learn, to be able to move. I like the terminology you're using, moving from this kind of concept of retrofitting mm -hmm. into a systems approach. And mm -hmm. this focus that you're talking about um, on, on the young people, on youth, is also has something that's really um, important and mm -hmm. It's so needed right now. We know that, you know, the um, all the previous research, even though, you know, we started saying there's not a lot of research, um, previous research has proven that, you know, the, the long-term success in the world of work really can be um, uh, influenced by that early attachment, those first... Mm -hmm opportunities yeah. mm -hmm. and so the younger people are so how do we how do we work with with businesses and and families and the school system so this is it's not like a one one solution sort of thing which mm -hmm. kind of leads me to a little bit to the to the next question is is around the fact that you know, people might be like, wow, $9 million, that's a lot of funding. You just unpacked a whole lot of work that's going to be done over six years. Yeah. So with this, with this funding announcement, if correct us if we're wrong, but I think it was announced really January, 2022. Mm -hmm. um, so what have you been up to since then? Like you, it sounds like a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could I just, so a couple things, first of all, um, I think the other thing that's really important to keep in mind and 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 is part of what we've been doing over the last year, but but perhaps what we had already started doing is this is a really complex problem, right? Like it's it's not a it's not it's not it, it's it's so complex because it's not that we have to fix one thing. It's that we have to redesign and reimagine what the workplace can can be like and we you know we have such we we do have great and innovative employers out there and service providers out there and organizations like Odin and and others who who are doing great work in this space but it's about scaling and and looking at how the work that people are doing at that local level can be can be um can be expanded and and evaluated in an evidence-based way um, but the the other thing is, even us as researchers, um, you know, I we come from various disciplines, and um, this is such a complex problem that it's not discipline specific. It's not a health issue. It's not a social issue. It's not a business management issue. It's not a design issue. It's actually all those things, and the solution to it requires. Um, full engagement with people with expertise from all those areas. And um, so, so part of the reason it requires so much funding is because of that complexity and the need to bring people together and fully engage and be compensated for, for those efforts and, and, and to do so appropriately. But, but we also need time to come together and learn from each other to skill ourselves up um, and then to look at what's out there and do those rapid to rapidly review and identify promising initiatives. So over the last year, that's really what we've been, that's part of what we've been doing is organi organizing ourselves in multidisciplinary, multi-sectoral thematic hubs um, and identifying and, and um, scanning and scoping out promising practices, uh, engaging partners, um, building excitement about this work, uh, you know, identifying um, some some of those some of those really innovations that are out there, innovative employers, service providers, people with lived experience, all those things, and trying to uh, bring that together so we can we can start to scale some of these examples, some of these initiatives. So that's part of what we've been doing over the last year. And those kinds of efforts are often skipped in smaller projects um, because they have they have to have a narrower focus in order to meet timelines and budget uh, restrictions. Yeah, 
Oh, and, sorry. Go ahead, Emil. Oh, I was just going to add, like, we've been super busy. <laughs> it's hard to imagine how much work it is to set up a new organization. Essentially, we are, we are a, a, an entity unto itself. I mean, we have five incubator hubs with 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 partners um, and, and leads. Um, you know, that are entry points for our research inquiry. So setting up those things and the projects within them and getting all the teams up and running. Um, we are also recru been recruiting for our, our national office, some core functions, you know, our, our national manager, our website programmer, our, our engagement and, um, and, and social um, engagement person who's doing also all of our communication. So all of that recruitment been taking place. We've hired a, a web development company to develop our website. It's going to be a, like a, a web portal that's our go-to one-stop shop for, for um, uh, workplace parties to access, you know, relevant information to help support their 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 capacity building efforts um so so all of that's well underway and we're planning to have an official public launch on may 18th um to, to let the world know <laughs> about what we're doing um so 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 we've been super busy with that and and both myself and rebecca each participate very actively in in in, 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 in one of the hubs ourselves with our own research programs um so so it's been quite a bit of work that's set up and the recruitment process um, has has been a challenge because we want to find the right talent. You know, um, we're giving priorities to persons with disabilities, um, uh, and making sure that that you know we have the right skill sets because it's a small operation in some respects. Nine million dollars. We're really honored to have that money, but it doesn't give you a whole lot of leeway to to to, to be flexible. We really want to have you know the best. And, and most cohesive team because it's a small team working together. So, and, and there's been a lot of outreach. We're really surprised how excited people are about this initiative that we didn't anticipate. A lot of folks from various areas, from the policy room, senior policy folks at the federal level, reaching us, right, reaching out to us for help to work to partner with us. Um, ac other academics that were not part of our original fold coming forward um policymakers um you know employers um, labor so it's really surprising a lot of people are excited about what we're doing and, and realize the value of it and, and want to be part of it and and that's a really good sign everybody seems to be in the right space to think about we need to make a change um, and, and we want we need to work together it's, it's not an independent effort you know if, if we're going to change transform society in the world of work we need to do together collectively across Canada and internationally as well because you know some of the things we'll be thinking about in a later stage of our research to practice or knowledge to practice program is looking at um, supply chains you know and, and the uh -huh. international labor markets because this is not a, a siloed Canadian thing issue that needs to be dealt with and it's only going to work if, if, if employers around the world are going this direction. I think they need to because there's labor shortages, as Rebecca has mentioned. Um, there, there's a demand for talent. There's an aging of the labor force, and and so so the, the the working age population is getting smaller relative to the overall population size. So so and we firsthand realized how difficult it is to recruit talent, and some of the people we were interviewing found other jobs while we're interviewing them, right? So there's a big demand for, for talent. And I there think is. This, uh, this is a wonderful window of opportunity to help employers frame their labor market contracting practices there uh, differently to, to tap into that talent. It is a win-win. Um, and, and once you, you, you learn how to do it well, it just becomes a new normal. You don't even have to think about it, right? And so, so we're just trying to change that normal to one that's inclusive of all the talent that's out there. And I think, um, you know, th there's so much happening and there's so much intentionality. And I'm picking up on some of the things that you were talking about, about taking the time to do this project right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Rebecca, you were acknowledging that for a lot, of, in a lot of situations, people don't have the time to actually build that foundation. And we find, you know, I think there's that saying, um, you're building the plane while you're flying it. 
kind of concept and it does it can really affect the 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 long-term impact of the work that you're doing but because you're being so intentional and mindful and making sure you've built this foundation and as in the bedrock of this and you're taking the time to create those relationships to bring in the right talent to source the right talent um it's just going to lead towards more and more um outcomes and more learnings and and more capacity being built at the end right so that whole thing about moving the dial is 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 gonna you know be be realized a lot easier with all of the heavy lifting that you're doing at the beginning of this project so I want to kind of bring you back Rebecca about thinking back to when you put in for this research grant um you know did you a lot of people put in for for grants did you actually imagine you get it and mm-hmm. and can you can you think about what your initial reaction was when you found out yeah um so this was uh the first time this particular funding envelope was being offered so emil and i were learning about it with the rest of the research community across canada and um uh, so, but, but, you know, how, how it all started, believe it or not, it actually started two years before we were actually awarded the funding. Um, and I would argue it probably started even maybe longer, like four years, um, as we were working on this, the center for research, um, uh, the Center for Research on Work Disability Policy, that's where Emil and I first started working. It was um, an initiative that he was leading through the Institute for Work and Health in McMaster University. And um, uh, I became involved in that that work um, as I started my, my program of research and um, started becoming more and more involved in the the amazing work because I really appreciated the multidisciplinary uh, focus and um, the structure it provided me to do some of the work I really wanted to do with with others and the partners um, that that just add value to everything we do. Um, And as that funding was winding down, Emil and I and and others started thinking about what what's what's next what what are we going to do how do we continue this momentum and um you know started exploring different options and it was around that time that this funding call was first released as 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 a new initiative um and so we started thinking that really what came next after this this seven year focus on work disability policy, um, that really what needed to happen was this, this, this really intentional focus on um, employer capacity, demand side capacity, um, disability confidence. Those were all really um, important ideas that were emerging from the work that we and others were doing at the time. Um, now, what we do know is that the, the whole journey started with a letter of intent Um, And we know that over 400 research teams across Canada put in a letters of intent. And we know that we knew that that was going to be like, we knew that that was the biggest uh, cutoff that um, they had to, the, the reviewers had to go through. And I'm sure there were amazing projects that didn't get funded from that pool. I know because we we've heard of some of the projects that went in um, and um, and somehow we stood out and were able to secure, um, uh, were, were invited to, to go to the next round. Um, and I think that was when I realized that we may actually do this, that, that the fact that we got through that first cutoff, because it went from, I believe, over 400 to something like 31 uh, teams, that was when I think Emil and I sort of realized that um, we could potentially do this. Um, and I think our success is, um, first of all, the way Emil and I um, work together, but more importantly, so I, this is not something I could have ever imagined for myself. Um, this was a team initiative and we had this amazing team that we had built over that, that we had built over a decade 
of partnered research, um, multidisciplinary research, um, working really collaboratively with communities and, and service providers and people with lived experience. And it was because we were able to draw on that and build that. Um, we spent many, you know, our focus over the pandemic was meetings and uh, discussions and understanding the really fascinating work that people were doing in this area and trying to think of how to bring that together um, in this uh, in this proposal. Yeah, um, and I just want to add actually that you know when after the thirty one it was reduced to twelve and then we were one of those twelve where we had to do it was like a dragon's den pitch and answering questions to a panel. Um, and then that that and then it was reduced to seven that were funded. We were one of those seven. So so we were really honored to to be able to get to that stage. Um, and, and even though we 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 always feel that our, our work's the best, we we knew it was it was it was important work. You know the 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 funding envelope is called the transformation stream. So they tried to transform Canadian society through this funding. So they want people to do something different that's transformative, having high impact, right? And and we figured, well, where else can we make a bigger impact in society than transforming the labor market, you know, and and and, and, and the economy, right? Hopefully, and, and and but it was just a matter of convincing um, the panel on the Dragon's Den that that that, that we were worthy of the funding kind of thing. It, it was it was stressful but certainly fun. We had an as 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 Rebecca points out, it, it was an amazing team. It's not a single-handed effort. You know, we have incredible um, partners. From, from labor, from industry, from the disability community, from the policy arena and, and academics from across country, across the country and internationally, um, that were all working with us together to make this happen. And, 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 and it's not been created at the get-go of the funding envelopes being announced because we've been working in the space already with a lot of these people for 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 a couple of decades, right? So so we're uh -huh. building this collective effort and knowledge base over a longer period of time uh, uh, you know with, with as talent from across the country so i think so so this is just the next iteration of something we've been building for for quite some time well you know congratulations on that you know you said 400 was yeah. the the number yeah, exactly, of, yeah. of Four, projects put yeah. forward and then and then it got whittled down and whittled down and you ended up in the 30s and then you end up doing this dragon's den with 12 was it and then mm -hmm. in the end seven of you came out mm -hmm. successful so that's uh, so congratulations on that that's that's fabulous it's it's great to hear that this all sort of came out of the, the existing work relationship and past projects that you've done because, you know, me being a, a lay person and you know, a writer communicator, I had this vision of like, you know, do research scientists come up, you know, get together with uh, about ideas or you know, Starbucks and have a coffee and bounce mm -hmm. things off each other, just like, you know, like writers do. So that, 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 that was great. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, research always and research and scientific research you always got to start with a hypothesis so what's your hypothesis about canadian workplaces yeah, yeah. Go, well, going well, I, into this that, that's a really good question and, and there's probably multiple sub hypotheses but i can start with the first one we have and we kind of alluded to that 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 we need to change our focus from skilling up workers to skilling up employers you know, and we need to change the norms that it's a systems level issue that we have to create a new normal that's inclusive rather than ad hoc accommodations on, on a case by case basis, right? You know, it, it, certainly there will always be a space for that. You know, people needing to 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 to, to think about you know uh, the design of a workstation for somebody's specific kind of abilities and needs um, at times, right? But if we can create a world that's inclusive. From the get-go and and uh, uh, and universally designed in a way that that meets the, the broadest needs of the the population in the labor market, we're up and running already, and and, and the tweaking is marginal, not not substantive, I guess, if, if we create the world that way. And, and 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 at the front end, there there's a scaling up cost involved, and people think, okay what do we need to do to get up to speed? And it's, it's an iterative process to get up to speed, changing management systems, workplace systems, you know, labor market recruitment practices, all those things are, are but after a while that, that becomes a norm, right? When you think about design 
of, of new ways of doing things. At the front end, there's uh, some, you know, retooling costs, you know, but then you think about the gains afterwards for, for decades and generations, it, it, it's a huge windfall. And we've actually done some number crunching to estimate the gains to society. Um, this is some work we did as, as part of a, a precursor to this project to, to put a price tag on it for, for having a fully accessible, inclusive society. And the gains, and this is not just labor market gains, but on all social kind of roles that we play in, in society, it's about 17.6% of GDP in any one year, right? So we use 2017 as our reference year because that's when the, one of the, the Canadian Disability Surveys um, cycle was out. So we use data from that cycle um, to identify the gains if, if in a counterfactual scenario, if, the, if our society was fully inclusive and accessible for persons with disabilities in all social roles, we would gain a value of 17.6% of GDP. That's a huge amount. That's not a marginal change. That, that is a huge impact of a change. And, and we can get there. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight, but that our efforts and the efforts of other people too to, to retool, rethink about how we create our world to be more inclusive. Um, and it, we, you know, our part is in the labor market through employer capacity building. Now these are working other space, spaces of our society. Um, uh, we can get there and, and, and capture a, a, a substantive part at 17.6% of our GDP. Yeah, and I, I would say we also hypothesize that there's some really great, and I think we, we hypothesize, but we also know that there's some really, that people are doing good work out there. Um, that that um, there's innovations that we can tap into, and um, and we've tr we're the social innovation laboratory structure is designed to leverage that work and 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 really identify and evaluate those those efforts in addition to designing new innovations uh, when 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 there's none to identify but that we we hypothesize that by bringing this this diverse group together that one of the things we'll do is um, identify some really promising approaches that exist in pockets out there and so Rebecca thank you for for saying that because this is sort of one of the things I want to unpack a little bit is um uh, when you're you're looking at this social innovation lab structure and you know you've both been talking about uh, this incredible amount of partnership and engagement and involvement from all these different representatives and partners and researchers and um and they're all going to be working together. And I think that in itself is really quite interesting. So how do you envision the actual approach working? What will it look like when this is running at full steam? Yeah. So um, so we've created a, 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 hub, uh, a structure of thematic hubs and cross-cutting hubs. Um, so actually through... Um, a process of um, uh, we we spent quite a bit of time identifying what are some of the the main pressing issues um, in this space across Canada, and through that process we identified these three thematic hubs that are workplace systems and partnerships. Um, the second one is employment support systems, which is really those those wraparound supports. Um, and and the 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 service providers working in this space that that deliver these supports, um, as well as transition to work and career development to to sort of position um, employment and and careers as journeys. Um, so we've identified those areas, and then as well we have these cross cutting hubs that include uh, inclusive environmental design. And the second one is uh, disruptive technologies and the future of work. So we have these five hubs and within each hub, we have a researcher and a, um, a community partner uh, working together to lead the hub. And then there are um, individuals within individuals and organizations and partners within each hub um, that are interested in doing work in that space. So we that's how we've tried to organize ourselves, knowing that we're going to have projects that cross 
that that um, are cross cutting, um, but having these hubs as as structures, um, I think enables us to. And, and each hub will have a but has a has a budget and um, can identify priorities. Um, so that's how we've tried to tackle um, this complex problem by organizing ourselves that way. Wow, Emil. Yeah, I just want to. Um, this is something maybe Rebecca would speak to better, but um, I just want to mention about just our 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 methodology. And we alluded to it already. I mean, at the front end, very deliberative processes to identify priorities, rapid synthesis of existing knowledge so that we're not reinventing the wheel. Whether it is literature synthesis, talking to to to, to stakeholders, consulting with them, um, getting a sense of, of what's happening out in their field, promising practices, as Rebecca terms it, rapid prototyping. And implementation evaluation in local small scale trials and then scaling it up across. We really want to be part of that process of, of scaling it up across a sector, across the country, and, and, and finding um, ways to do that in a in a good way through through the champions that are involved in our initiative. We have an amazing advisory committee that are champions from, from various parts of the disability policy system. So, so it's obviously a very team effort to get this scaled up across the country. And, and that's going to be a really critical thing that we're going to make an impact. So, so um, as, as Rebecca pointed out, the, the, those hubs are just entry points for research inquiry. They're all interconnected. For example, one of the projects I'm doing with, with Don Gilland, who's the, the, the community partner in, in, in the Hub One um, Workplace Systems and Partnerships, we're looking at accessibility planning and reporting. This is an obligation of federally regulated entities under the Accessible Canada Act, but it's something that all organizations should be doing. It's really focused on management systems, workplace systems, and the notion of continual improvement, assessing where you're at, where your key gaps as an organization, making a plan to, to make progress in those gaps, filling in those gaps. And then revisiting that on a continual basis, you have some priorities at the front end, depending on where you're at in the journey of becoming fully accessible and inclusive as an employer. You know, obviously some of them are starting from, from, from scratch and just learning how to do this well. And then moving down a path of addressing some of those priority issues. And continual improvement means you revisit those things. Once you reach uh -huh. some targets that you've set several you know, maybe a year or two down the road, you'll you'll revisit okay, what else can we do to do a better job? And you can, there's always room for improvement. Even the best performing organizations are always thinking about ways, how can we do better in being accessible and inclusive of the diversity of talent that's out there kind of thing. So, so we're helping set a, a, a very um, formal process to do that in a good way through very much like, um, um, I guess, standards, the Canadian Standards Association develops management system standards. I've chaired a technical committee that developed the standard of work display management systems. I'm on an accessibility standards Canada technical committee where we're developing an inclusive employment standard. These are best practice guides that are out there for employers to pick up so that they don't have to invent this on their own. Um, and they don't have to pay consultants necessarily to do that because that can be very costly because it's there for the taking and to pick up and then, then contextualize for your particular organization. So, so that's a systems level approach that we're taking in, 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 in getting organizations up to speed on thinking about how they can continually visit the notion of how they can do better at being accessible and inclusive, starting maybe with the priority areas, right? Well, and speaking of that then, um, around you know what's what might be missing right now currently in Canadian workplaces around disability and accessibility. Now you've named sort of these five hubs. So obviously we can't, I can't ask you this question in general. <laughs> not gonna, I'm not gonna try. Maybe that'll be part seven of this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I'm just gonna ask like if you, and it might sound weird to say favorite, but if you think about of the five hubs, if you could choose one, um, you know, you talked about disruptive tech, you talked about inclusive environmental design, the transitions to work, the systems piece, the the things from the service provider side. So these are all coming at this challenge in so many different ways. What out of your out of choose one of those and say, like, what do you think it's gonna tell us is missing, maybe? Um, maybe I could take a stab at that. So I mean, of course I'm gonna say. And I I won't I won't end there, but they're all important, obviously, yeah. right? Um, but I'll tell you what we hear people asking for, 
the most. Um, and um, I, I, I think many employers really want to do a good job. They, they really, well, well, I mean, I think they want to do good in the world and they want to contribute to society and, you know, do a, do their work really well and obviously make, make a living. Um, but um, some of them, many, many employers don't know how to do this. Like they, they, they want to hire people who have had barriers to employment in part because they're having labor shortages. They're having trouble getting people to stay at work, um, but they don't know how to do it. And, and then once they hire people, they don't know how to keep the people. And, um, and in, in essence, it's, 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 it's good because that matches um, you know, people with disabilities want to work and they want to have stability in their work. So, you know, there's kind of this lovely fit. And for some reasons, for decades, we haven't been able to bring that together. So um, all, everything's important because especially those cross-cutting hubs, nothing can work in the core hubs unless we have attention to how technology is changing the way we work and how we work and what, what we do for work and how our environments allow us to work. But really, I think uh, Canadians need, uh, Canadian employers, Canadian businesses need help finding talent and keeping talent. Um, and, and so, you know, how, how, we, how we can do that, how we can respond to that need is probably the the most important transformative contribution we can make. If 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 in six years, if an employer um, is able to identify a potential job candidate with a disability and is able to not have any hesitation um, in how they they're going to interview them, onboard them, maintain um, uh, maintain their employment, we've accomplished something really big, actually. Exactly. Yeah. It should be a non-issue that <laughs> we've done our job. What do they have to offer in their skill sets and their talent? And, and that's all they should be thinking about because and doing the other stuff of, of meeting people's needs to help tap into that talent should be the way you do things and it's second nature. Yeah. Kind of, they've kind of answered like a couple of questions <laughs> I, I had in mind. I mean, that was, that, that was so, so insightful. Um, I want to know what your, you know, there's obviously all of this is going to be result in a glow, sort of a global, you know, perspective on how things can be reimagined and, and perhaps redesigned. But what's your personal reimagination or your personal vision of the new Canadian workplace? Rebecca, if you want to jump in first there, I, I, I can see you kind of chomping at the bit there. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, I'm, I'm a, uh... I'm a parent. I'm a. I have three kids, and I. I my my personal goal is that their work experiences are inclusive. That that they themselves and and the work that they do and where they end up. That that you know that diversity is um, not only accepted but but leveraged. That that we see that having diverse people coming together. Um, will only allow the Canadian, you know, that 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 will allow us to innovate in every space. So I, you know, I think that's that's personally what I'm hoping for um, at the end of this, and and I hope that idea is part of that. It contributes a small part, or maybe a large part, to that to that process of. Um, and 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 perhaps that that Canada you mentioned we open this um, podcast with this idea that we have it Canada hasn't really been known for innovation in this space and can can Canada be a leader in diversity in um, building uh, workplaces that um, that 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 revolve around diversity. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's my would be my goal too, to see 
Canada be a leader in this? I think we're on that path already, Canadian Dean. We're doing a lot of great stuff at, at various levels in the policy arena, and we just want to help contribute to seeing Canada be a leader in this space, and, and that, that we can, as a society, not just in Canada, but internationally, tap into the diversity and the talent. It's a win-win. We can be more creative and innovative if we tap into the, the, all the, the great talent that's out there in, in, in the working age population um, and, and, and capture all the gains that could be realized by building on that win-win opportunities. And I would like to see just at a practical level, at all levels of, of organizations, at the senior levels, that, that diversity, that it should be a reflection of Canadian society. Then we've done our, our job, I think, is in terms of our initiative, trying to make, it's not about just entry level, getting people employed, but getting them into careers, and, and seeing that diversity at all levels of organizations, um, because that's the way it should be. There's talent to be capitalized on, and that would do well in those senior level positions if given the right environment to 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 be able to to build their careers in those directions. And you know that leads me to to think as as this conversation progresses. Um, you know, it, it's almost as if you're intuitively picking up on the questions we're going to ask before mm -hmm. we even ask them. <laughs> and uh, because this, there's just this great flow here, and and what you're what you're doing just makes sense, and the need for it makes a lot of sense. So I guess really my question now would be, what are the key things that you think? employers so those not the people who are engaged in your project right now but the businesses um that will be the beneficiaries of of the findings and and the systems change and things what it what do you think the key things are that they should understand about this project and why why should they be paying attention to this as well um, so that's a good question. And, and, and I would say that um, large employers are, are probably doing a lot of, um, some of them are doing some great work in this space, but small employers right now in the current uh, labor market are, are struggling. And, and so I would say that um, uh, employers should pay attention because I'm hoping um, and and I'm committed to um, idea of responding to some of their some of the things that they're struggling with um, on the ground, and that um, you know not only should they pay attention, but maybe want to get involved if they're doing something if they have found something that works around retention of diverse um, you know if they started hiring summer students and found something worked really well you know, let, let, we, we'd love to hear from them. And if they're having some challenges, um, again, we, we want to hear because our goal is to be responsive to um, the needs of Canadian employers and, and Canadians with disabilities who, who um, Canadians with disabilities. So I, I think all of Canada should pay attention because this impacts everything that people do and um yeah and and hopefully we're going to be responding to some of the challenges that people are experiencing every day yeah yeah, yeah. employers are, are super busy as we all are so so sometimes they're really just focusing on survival you know it's a competitive market out there um you know some some can can sustain and continue to 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 grow up. Many don't, and 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 they're just putting out fires oftentimes. So so it's a tough thing to get their attention. But I think it they'll, hopefully they'll realize that that if, if they try to take that longer term view, you know, in the breathing space that they might have to to reflect on 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 planning the way forward in in a more um, um, intentional way that that, that, that that it's in their interest for sustainability um, and, and productivity, you know, being, getting the right talent on board, you know, and making sure the environment's right to sustain that talent. It is in their interest. We just have to find as, as, a, as an initiative, creative ways to get their attention in, in small pockets to get their buy-in and uptake of, of what we're doing and, and help them realize the, the, the gains that, that could be had if, if they are more intentional in, in the way they recruit for talent and environments they create to sustain that talent in the workplace. Wow. 
you know, of, of all of the messages, I mean, you've had some, both had some great insights. I mean, if there was one of all the points we've talked about, if there was one message that you think is the most important one for employers who might be listening to this podcast, what's that one singular most important message you want to get across to them? Um, I'm it's it's hard because I I do think that um, I don't want the message to be that we think employers are the problem. Um, I would I would say that's maybe important because um, I I do think that's been one of the challenges of of doing this kind of work. Um, employers aren't the problem. I think employers are the solution. And um, uh, yeah, so I think I, that maybe that's the message is, is we really want to innovate in the space and, um, and I'm looking for creative ways to innovate in the space and reimagine how things could be better for, for everyone. Yeah. Um, so, so that might be the message. Yeah. I'm just going to jump, I'm going to jump onto what Rebecca said, and then we'll come back to you in a second. Um, because I just want to highlight the message that you just said, Rebecca, because it's a, it's a, I think that that is a very important thing for businesses to hear because it's, it's, you're changing the conversation um, and you've come out and you've said something that I really hope listeners are going to, are going to take away and share this with others is that you're not looking at the fact that employers are the problem. What you're doing is looking at the fact that employers are the solution. And that really I think is a, a a conversation and a shift that we haven't heard. Um, and I think that that is going to influence a, a, almost a culture shift mm -hmm. um, for, for the business world, because you, it's, you're changing the dynamic of the relationship just in that statement alone. So thank yeah. you for that. And so, and so Emil, my apologies for jumping in front of you on that one, <laughs> but I really wanted to highlight what Rebecca just said. So please go ahead. Oh, no, I, I want to do this exact same thing. I okay. totally agree with both of you. That, that it is about employers are the solution. They are just, they are in that position where they can make a difference for themselves and for, for, for persons with disabilities and the labor market and society overall. They are in that privileged position where they can make a big difference for a win-win that they can help us as a society capture you know that and tap into the, the, those opportunities. And so we, we feel like, you know, focusing on that aspect uh, of their capacity, you know, we we're, we're hopefully helping leverage, you know, the, the the knowledge base that we're building and growing, expanding, uh, that can be applied to help them them do what they want and intend to do in in, in the best way possible. I don't know about the rest of you, but this has been a just a fantastic conversation with with so many insights, and we we've just covered so much. I mean. I'm fresh out of questions. We covered so much. Um, and and I'm wondering, you know, is there anything we haven't, you know, if, that we haven't talked about, you know, that, that you think is important to mention here? Um, I would just love to be able to come back and share findings because right mm -hmm. now we're talking about what we're going to do. And um, we'd, I think I can speak for all of us with an idea that we'd love to come back and share our successes Um and some examples of, of um, things we've achieved together uh, down the road. So yeah. hopefully that would be something we could do. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I think it's, we would like everybody, you folks and every, to be part of this journey because we're doing it together. And, and so, you know, a, a, a visit every so often <laughs> to hear about what we're up to would be great. Well, I can, I can say yes. To both of those things, um, absolutely. Any way that we can engage and and participate and and learn from and support, uh, amplify, give platform to the work that you're doing, we're more than happy to do that. And more than most definitely, you're going to have to come back. You're going to have to have some future conversations with us, please, about all the work you're doing, the updates, about some of the things that you're you're discovering about workplaces, uh, these promising practices 
ideas, these models that are working, the systems change that's that's happening. Um, we just really would love to hear all about how you're what you're discovering about workplaces and how they can be reimagined for more disability inclusion. I completely agree. Most definitely, Emil and Rebecca, you're going to have to come back and share some of these insights along the way. Now, you know, I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm kind of going to exaggerate here a little bit, but I find myself wondering how you'll take six years of research at the end of all of this and compress it into, you know, an engaging report that gets action. And how do you compress that into something that's not the length of war and peace? That's a tough one, but I I think we're planning to to have really great um products um and and you know knowledge base you know being transformed into kind of practical guidance throughout our six years. It's it's not going to be a tune that we publish at the end, but we're going to do good work throughout the process so that yeah. we'll just look back hopefully and 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 see all the the. the stuff we've done with our all the great people that are involved in this initiative and and just reflect okay we've done a great job and probably think about what do we need to do next (laughs) and and just to say that we'll be sharing all of those products um on our website which is in development um but um should be released probably later later this year Mm -hmm. um and um everything will be available for for people to to browse and download and and look at well and i think i think that that's great and obviously from everything that you've been talking about today there's this isn't uh this isn't, you know, the standard sort of concept when people think about research. So you're you're going to be coming out with all of these different tools and and resources and real tangible things that are going to help change things, um, and so much learning along the way. So we do, and like I said, we look forward to to having more conversations with you as as your work progresses. So at this time, you know, Emil and Rebecca, I would I would just like to say thank you again for helping us to kick off this new season of You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D by talking with us about this exciting new initiative. And I'll remind our listeners that it's the Inclusive Design for Employment Access, also known as IDEA. And thank you from me as well. Um, for, for our listeners, I'll let them know that for the second part of this April two-parter on new disability research in Canada, we're going to be heading out west to find out about a new initiative happening at the University of Calgary. Be sure to catch that episode. It's coming later this month. And so that wraps up this first 2023 installment of You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D. I'm Jeanette Campbell. And I'm Dean Askin. Thanks again for listening wherever, whenever, and on whatever podcast app you're listening to this episode from. Join us each episode as we have insightful conversations, much, much like this one, and explore disability inclusion in business and in our communities from all the angles. You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D is produced in Toronto, Canada by the Ontario Disability Employment Network, all rights reserved. Our podcast production team, executive producer and host, Jeanette Campbell, producer, Sue Defoe, associate producer and host, Dean Askin, audio editing and production by Dean Askin. Our podcast theme is Last Summer by Ixon. If you have feedback or comments about an episode, contact us at info at odennetwork.com. That's info at O-D-E-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com. Join us each episode for insights from expert guests as we explore the power of inclusion, the business benefits of inclusive hiring, and why disability is an important part of the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation. Listen to You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D on Podbean or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.